At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land. The of promised speaking land, the truth the land, and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. And we've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Do something. Welcome back to Public Access America. It's Thursday, and I am so happy. That you're here. Jeffrey and I are going to continue our discussion on food insecurity and then move on to other topics later in the show. I do want to stop and say thank you to Kai from Unsubscribe for working with me on this awesome new theme music. I also wanted to let you know that on Twitter we have a tweet pinned to the top of our profile at Public Access Pod, and that's our next Sunday live stream. We're going to be talking Constitution. We're going to learn a little bit about it and hopefully get a discussion, debate, some discord going on that front. We're going to go preamble. Article 1, Section 1. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and check out the description portion of that live stream video, and you're going to see a note, and you're going to have some homework. We're going to learn uh, together about this. You can check out our live streams noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube every Sunday, and you can find us as you did. Our podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, Player FM, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Radio Public, Podcast Addict, and Victor reader as well as amazon music and more let's get to the show i'm excited thank you for being here we've got to be that creative minority creative minority creative minority find a way to get in the way i got in trouble it was good trouble it was necessary trouble frankly i know we've got to do something and Welcome back to Public Access America. We're going to talk more about food insecurity. There's a note in the description portion of this podcast if you want to learn more and then continue your journey on learning. There is some, so what are some causes of food insecurity? I'm just going to give you the causes and then we can talk about that. How about that? Let's do it. So the first one is income. Pretty self-explanatory, right? If you don't have the money to buy food, you don't have food. Yep. Do you, have, do you have any opinion on, well, I like the living wage. I think that's where the living wage fits in awfully nicely. You know what I mean? There's a lot that I can go into on that, but let's, 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 let's put all of it out there for people to kind of understand first. Okay. Let's see next we have, um, employment. If you don't have a job, you don't have the money and you can't get what you need. And then there's race and ethnicity. And, uh, let's see, there's, disparities that exist in food insecurity. Um, there's studies that say, um, how do I say it? <laughs> there's certain parts of the country that are 22.5% versus the national average of 12.3%. So 12.3% of our country is food insecure, but yet black and brown and minority communities are 22.5%. And there's a there's a disparagement there. And then finally, we have disabilities, of course. And that just means if you don't have access to transportation, public or private, and you live away from your supermarkets, you might not be as able to get the food that you need. And those are just some of the quick ones. Is there anything you wanted to highlight? 
No, I think, I think, so let's, let's, I, I want to start with disability first, just sure. because I feel like this is one that actually there's a solution out there, mm-hmm. but it needs to be an equitable solution. Agreed. Thanks and- to the rise, thanks to the rise of home delivery in the time of COVID, right. the ability for people with disabilities to have food delivered to their house has definitely increased. It's amazing. Yeah. But unfortunately that delivery also comes at a premium. Yep. It comes as a premium for everybody, but I, that's one of those things where I feel like we need to address that a little bit more, a little bit better. And we need to figure out what that solution is. Mm-hmm. You know, is there, is there some type of state delivery system for people with disabilities, for example? Um, so that way you're, you know, you're, you're more able to get the food that you need and without having to struggle with the infrastructure. Right. I think that's, I think that's absolutely possible, plausible, or maybe there's something out there for, um, in terms of I love you this, know, starting I'm your sitting, own. I'm sitting here thinking that the private sector is the solution to this. And you're like, maybe there's a governmental thing. We could do. Well, I mean, you think about it, there's, there's a lot of solutions out there in terms of government ability to deliver, mm-hmm. you know, to deliver things. We look at Medicare, Medicaid all the time, right. You know, and, and perhaps even in a, you know, as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of the state route, we already at least have some, some types of, uh, solutions out there that currently exist that might fall under those same infrastructures. Right. Agreed. Yeah. I think, um, food delivery was nice, but then COVID happened and it became, um, a necessity. And so people got charged the same because it doesn't matter if you're in the same boat, it's reasonable accommodation to charge you what I'm, what I'm charging Jeffrey. And so, that made sense to me. DoorDash is charging me what they're charging Jeffrey. But then when people have the ability to actually go and get the, to get the groceries and I don't, then that becomes a disparity. And I think you need to, mm-hmm. you need to, I, it's simple. Instacart just has to give a discount to disabled people. You know, it's, that's basically all it is, is acknowledge that we are paying a premium for, for the items. Uh, Publix charges a dollar more sometimes per item when you get it delivered and then the delivery cost and then the tip and then the taxes. And so there's a way that maybe the states or Fed could um, subsidize that. You know what I mean? That would be nice in the Build Back Better plan. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I mean, even like, because the, the, that's the trouble with the private sector in this regard is, is that you know, you would have to rely on a, you'd have to have a service where number one, they would ha- make it very clear from the beginning that they would be, you know, people with disabilities would not be charged uh, for delivery fees and all of that. Or and as that, much, I'm, I'm willing to discuss it. I don't want free. And, yeah. But- and, uh, uh, but that, that your normal everyday buyer is going to be the one that subsidizes that through mm-hmm. increased delivery charges and costs. Sure. sure. So that's, and that's where you see um, a significant issue there is, is that people are going to migrate to other sources where their delivery costs are going to be lower and they're not going to be subsidizing. I mean, we see that in the private market all the time anyways. Mm, so of course. that's, that's, uh, you know, as, as someone who's very much in favor of private market, that's just a reality that, you know, we have to face. Um, but when it comes to, you know, uh, when it comes to social benefits, when it comes to um, things like Medicare, Medicaid, we already have existing structures in place, payment structures in place. And so this is where, um, and, and especially if you're going to be giving any type of discount or, or zero cost delivery service, like it's going to have to be documented somewhere yeah. that this is an option for you. Right. Maybe in Medicare. Maybe it should be a yeah something that Medicare offers food delivery. So Man. that's so so there's I'd say that there's definitely some there's possibility there, but it's definitely something that's got to be uh, very very well thought out. Agreed. Yeah, bigger minds than ours. <laughs> Dog is being a jerk today. Gotcha. Lay down. Gotcha. Just worried. I thought it was Debbie. Happy birthday, Debbie. 
<laughs> no, if I was snapping at Debbie and telling Debbie to lay down, I'm probably going to die. Or you wouldn't be live streaming it. Hey, today on Vote Access America, we're going to be live streaming Jeffrey's murder because That's he's funny. being an asshole. <laughs> so, so, um, <laughs> so unemployment and lack of money, those two kind of go together, right? And those are unemployment, fairly... lack of money. Um, let's see here. Uh, substance abuse is another one that I would throw in there. Mm-hmm. You know, those are ones that I'm familiar with personally. Uh, so let's think about this a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it, you know, when it, when it, when it comes down to it, we know that we know that lack of money means that you're not going to be able to find food, but, but you have to find what the root cause of that lack of income is. Yeah. Is it, is it substance abuse? Is it unemployment? Is it, um, Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say an inability to stay employed. Um, that's one that I've, I've seen frequently. Yeah, uh, you, you know, grew up food insecure. There's a good chance that you're not going to be able to stay employed like a normal person with um, nutrients. <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's absolutely the case is, is that, you know, anytime that you, you run into, you know, the lack of income, you have to start digging into why is there a lack of income, you know, lack of income, you know, lack of income just means that you can't buy food, but what causes that lack of income, lack Mm -hmm. of a living wage, for example, that definitely is, is one of the reasons why you might not be able to. And I think we got to address this in the the same token uh, at the same time as this idea of quote unquote starter jobs, like bagging groceries, checking people out, Mm-hmm. uh stocking shelves let me guarantee you one thing really fucking quick is is that if you didn't have people stocking your grocery store shelves and you know you would find chaos happen really quickly so right. the idea that this is a quote-unquote starter job is entirely bullshit yep i totally agree so <laughs> let's enough with the starter jobs thing let's 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 get that out of the way yeah you because, can have because four starter you... jobs and still not still not make enough. Disney employees are on Medicare and homeless. I mean, because they're getting these base jobs. So it's an issue. And for the longest time, Walmart used to tell people how to apply for benefits because they didn't pay enough. Right. Thank God I they're mean, starting to, though. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really fucking crazy concept in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the idea that you know, somebody can work full time and not be able to afford food is absolutely insane. And that stuff's got to go. Yeah. And that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time. Absolutely. <laughs> I will say, so the national average for food insecurity is 12.3%. But if mm-hmm. you, if you drag that down and just um, examine low income housing or low income households, you're going to find a 31.5% um, of those homes are food insecure. And like I said, they don't even know it. And um, people, I want to, I want to get to the the racial disparity because there is a, there's some reasons for that. And I think people don't understand maybe, oh, race, um, black people are lazy or immigrants, you know, they just don't, I don't know. I don't know what people say, but there is a, a reason that some of these urban areas, including disabled people, by the way, poor people, disabled people, uh, minorities stuck in urban environments, they face something called a food desert. And we've talked about that before, but do you want mm-hmm. to describe like what a food de- desert is to you? So food desert is um, essentially it's an area in which you have to travel excessively, um, even sometimes uh, to your own detriment in order to be able to buy food. So that could be anything from having to travel an hour by bus in order to get to a grocery store and come back, you know, and, and having certain circumstances that keep you from being able to uh, get to a grocery store, or get to food. A lot of the times it's simply that, you know, uh, grocery stores get closed in certain areas because they're not as profitable as other stores or mm-hmm. they, you know, they... There's a lot of reasons why they might close a grocery store. Most of the time it has to deal with the fact that, you know, you might have a bigger grocery store that's nearby and it's cutting into uh, the sales in those. So, or they just don't want to build there. 
I mean, in Chicago, or they don't want to build there. Most of the most of the grocery stores just did not want to build within Chicago because it the te- uh, everything the price for everything for security for maintenance for taxes for regular you know regulations to be solved and stuff like that it was just so expensive that they didn't mm-hmm. want to go into an urban area and deal with all that and then watch their business just be run down you know what i mean mm-hmm. absolutely you know and especially like you know especially in i would say high crime areas that makes it a lot more difficult to keep a functioning grocery store open right, right. when you when especially when you have all of those taxes and um costs of keeping the store open on top of right. the the what you're most likely going to be dealing with in theft i mean yeah, all grocery stores 22 all grocery stores have a certain amount of theft built into their budget and what mm-hmm. that looks like <clears throat> cuz i mean that is a reality um, for, for most businesses is that you have to have a certain amount of theft built into your, into your, uh, costs. Right. And especially grocery stores, <clears throat> because think about it. If you're hungry and you need to survive, what are you going to do? Yeah. If you're unemployed and you don't have money and you still need to get food to survive, what are you going to do? And I mean, if you still need to get food to survive or your kids need food to survive, what are you gonna do what are you gonna yeah yeah and and that's the other thing too is is that in places where there's a lack of good economic opportunities mm-hmm. you see an increased crime rate why is that food insecurity just explained that to us right well, not you know, that's part of it but 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 what part of the human condition do we know real well <clears throat> we'll do whatever it takes to earn money and so unfortunately you start to see some of the less above ground operations ah okay the drug war drug running yep <laughs> drug running is a big one um mm. and and so you know this is where taking a step back and publicly acknowledging that guess what the drug war didn't work right and in places where you've started to see legalized pot for example, you've seen a significant decrease in crime. Why? Well, number one, you're not arresting people for having pot, so there's that. If it's not illegal to have, you're not going to get arrested for it. But number two, you've now created th- these these pot businesses that's, that stood up mm-hmm. seemingly overnight. It's not that they weren't operating before. They were operating just fine before. Yeah, it's just, just that now they could... People just now they can work above ground and be tax paying businesses, but they still don't have access to banking. They still don't have access to any of the normal things that a person would have access to like to thank the feds for continuing to fuck that one up. (laughs) So Joe Biden, fuck you get this fixed. If you seriously, and that's the thing is like, there was a really funny report that came out that uh, Mexicans are preferring American weed over the cartels weed mm-hmm. because it's got, it's, it's better quality and it's got cooler names. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cooler names. I was just yeah. thinking, um, it, the U S uh, marijuana has no mercury in it. <laughs> There's that too. Well, and, and think about it. Like, you know, if, if you've got a better quality, more predictable product and it's not just, you know, whatever you can happen to get your hands on, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, it's the glory of being where you are, uh, you know, in the United States, if it's legal is, is that you have a consistent product right. and that product is held to a consistent standard, but going back, you don't have people getting arrested for having weed. Number one, number two, you now have more legalized businesses, tax paying businesses, locally tax paying, not federal locally. Well, it, locally tax paying businesses, um, and federally tax paying because it's still, you have federal income tax on it, believe it or not. Wow. How do you pay that? Same way you pay any federal income tax mm. is, you know, if you have a business, <clears throat> it gets charged at a specific rate. You, you don't have access to banking, which is royally screwed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How do you pay for your federal taxes when you don't have access to banking? You know what I mean? That's just weird. Yeah, well, that's the that's the Somebody that's the U.S. government. The, well, the answer is is that it's got to be legalized, so that way all of these businesses can be you know full in the light, 
fully regulated taxpaying businesses. Look, let mm -hmm. the states figure out if they want to have legalized pot as a part of their business. Great, fine, whatever. You know, mm -hmm. you still have dry counties in, in different states. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that you there is no there is no rhyme or reason for this to continue. And quite frankly, the fact that the Republicans and the Democrats are refusing to end this war on, on this is just very telling. Yeah, they want the funding to fight it so they can move it to other things. I just think uh, marijuana used to be legal. They used to sell stamps to produce it, you know, like tax mm -hmm. tax stamps, they call them. And all mm -hmm. you have to do is just do that again. Just it, you mm -hmm. never illegalized. You never you don't need to legalize it. It was already legal. All you have to do is start the stamp production thing again and hand it out to growers all over the country, you know, and then you're going to get the taxes for it. We have a system in place already. So let's just bring that back. You know? Absolutely. It's just that easy. I don't think they want to give us rights. You know what I mean? They oh, just, absolutely. They well, like I mean, you think about them. it. They don't like you, giving them. I mean, the CIA, the CIA has used the drug war to sell their own drugs for God knows how many years. And mm -hmm. that's, that's something that we've actually known. Yeah. And so the, the reality is, is, is that, you know, the decisions that are being made are you know, being made to harm Americans and keep people in jail, keep mm. people from being productive taxpaying citizens. And it's bullshit. I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I like the idea of them being taxpaying citizens because I like the idea of them paying taxes fuck fuck the feds they they've had their chance right. to make this happen but at the same time it's you know what else you know, if you want to talk about funding healthcare for example or funding you know part of the infrastructure package mm. this needs to be part of the deal is that marijuana gets legalized and the taxes the tax revenue created off of this helps supply infrastructure period end of story yeah food insecurity you could fight in food insecurity just with that. You fight your food insecurity with it very easily. And you should, because you're giving people the munchies anyway. You should. You should. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so some of these food deserts, they don't actually have grocery stores. They have convenience stores, bodegas, things like that. Yep. And they offer less nutrition at a higher price. Yep. And that's just weird to me. Like, to pay full premium price to be poor and have to pay full premium price for that um can of green beans you know what mm -hmm. i mean 253 dollars for a can of green beans in the city where it's 59 cents in the suburbs you know mm -hmm. well, why are you profiteering from people that can least afford it that's the that's yet another one of the grand questions and and it just has to do with the fact that because they can because and they can, until they have to yeah and and until people either a build grocery stores or b more delivery becomes available mm. um you know to places further out i think that that's i think i think delivery is going to be the thing that changes that 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 uh calculation for a lot of people because like you said if you're paying if you're paying extra money for that can of green beans and you're um you know when you look at what that costs you you know what at what point does and i would say this is where your math comes in at what point does your delivery cost Become, it out, right. become less than your cost of buying at the convenience store or the bodega. That's right. Because I get, well, I pay for my delivery monthly, $9.99 a month for my delivery. I get anything over $35 delivered for free. But what I do is I shop the sales, the, the two for ones, the half offs. And then at the end, I end up saving $60. Whereas if I go to the store, I can't see the prices and I just grab things and end up spending more. So delivery helps me um, maintain my, the prices I can spend, you know what I mean? So for me, it's a benefit to, even if I pay more for the products, I'm saving three times as much. So for me, it works out mathematically that way. Absolutely. And, and, and realistically, it's just one of those things where 
until you sit down and you figure out what your expenditures are Mm -hmm. and then try and figure out with delivery costs, all of that associated with, you know, are you able to, you know, basically buy yourself a better standard of living in a food desert until they get you a grocery store out there, you know, and maybe that's exactly what needs to happen for, uh, you know, companies that are relying on data like Safeway, like Albertsons, like um, whatever you might have in your area, Kroger, for example. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, there, there's a few big ones. Yeah, there, I know what you mean. Uh, but Publix or whatever, you know, it's being able to figure out what your costs are shopping in one spot versus getting delivery from another, mm-hmm. you know, if they deliver out as far as you do. And I think that's, and I think that that's like one of the biggest changes. Now we can, then we can definitely have a discussion if they're not willing to send, uh, trucks to your area, (laughs) it becomes a much different, it becomes a much different conversation. And, and, um, yeah, that is a thing. Yeah, that is a thing. I've lived in communities where the pizza guy wouldn't deliver, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Nope. Okay. So, so there's nothing about it that's ideal in any right. stretch of the imagination, you know, but at the mm-hmm. same time too, if, if, if technology has made it easier and made it more affordable than it already is, yeah. then, you know, it's time to figure out, Hey, what can we do to make this, make this more efficient and more effective? Yeah. I like the victory garden. Remember those? Oh, Everybody, victory gardens were fantastic. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in an age where, I was visiting aunts and uncles that had, you know, um, postage stamp sized yards and their, their yards were just three levels of victory garden. And you could just Mm -hmm. walk through there and grab anything you wanted. I think that helps to supplement. If you have all the vegetables there, then you can afford more meat and then you have a balanced diet, you know? Yep. So you can even get potatoes. You can get your starches and carbs right there. And that's where, you know, and that's, but part of that calculation has to be, what does it look like for apartment living these days? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew tomatoes on my balcony a couple of years in a row. Mm. There was one year though. Holy crap. Like I, I, I had more tomatoes than I knew what to do with more cherry tomatoes. They were, it was insane. But then you just find the co-op, the empty lot that you can co-op into a victory garden spot mm -hmm. for many people, you know? Yep. Yeah, and then, and unfortunately, like right now, I'm dealing with the fact that you know, part of my yard is blocked out by trees that are just. You know, I honestly think about half of them need to be cut down because they're a little sketchy. Mm, yeah, welcome and so to if I had, State. if I had, if I had those trees down, um, I would have more sunlight to be able to grow gardens. So sure, sure, sure. I mean, you have to deal with the situations you have. Like we talked about the 3D gardens. If you have a bunch of rundown. Mm buildings in your neighborhood you know maybe start a co-op that way if you if you you know if you're growing if somebody i lived on a dead end and somebody was growing um kale and lettuce and beets and stuff and i was growing uh raspberries and strawberries and blueberries and we had an apple tree and the neighbor next door he was you know he was making um polish sausages and stuff and then we would just all get together and trade and i thought that was so nice i wished other people could do that you know oh absolutely and and i think that i think that there's still uh i think that there's still a realm for that and to be honest you start you see it a little bit more in rural communities than you do in urban communities anyway right and and i think it's fantastic and i mean i i believe that it's a practice that needs to come back yeah you know that could actually unite the urban and the and the rural communities because that seems to be where the divide is in America today. Oh, could you imagine if you had a bunch of urban communities that were able to grow a bunch of porch vegetables, and mm. then you know your rural communities that had your eggs and your meats and a few other things, mm-hmm. uh, larger crops, you know, and y'all just show up, you know, once a month to trade out some stuff fantastic that's an awesome idea and there is though that's happening in missouri that's happening in places on the front lines of food insecurity i mean it, mm-hmm. it's so simple to just get rid of a food desert it takes one building to get rid of a food desert you know it, it takes one building and a community of uh, willpower in order to do it and and i would argue that it, it takes 
I would take a city council to be able to allow for that mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these places, they're not going to be uh, regulated to do that. And I think that's crap, especially if they're complaining about, you know, food insecurities and food deserts. Right. You know, you're going to have to do, you got to do what you have to in order to make this problem, I wouldn't say disappear, but minimize it. It, it could, it could disappear. I mean, it could, it, it could. could, but it's not, I mean, it's going to take every, it takes, it takes at least half amount, the amount of time to fix as it does to break it, you know? And I think to myself that the crime in these communities, because of the food insecurity, it could be eliminated if you just get them on a track of having the right foods. You know what I mean? Even, even I can see just having a bag of vegetables to hand out when somebody comes by and says, I can't afford food because Publix will do that. If you walk into Publix and say, I'm homeless, I have no money for food. They will give you food. You know what I mean? And I think that's, there's some amazing things there. I think they just don't get, they don't get promoted as well as other things get promoted, but there is people working on it. I just think we need to let people know it exists. You know what I mean? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Absolutely. And, and, and as people find out that, you know, these offers exist and as mm-hmm. people find out that, you know, corporations do certain things in order to encourage, uh, food availability that's you know we gotta we've got to do everything we can to call that out and i don't know if you can use like food stamps to get delivery i gotta look into that Um, that would be an interesting one is if you could use food stamps to get delivery right i think i found on on food stamps i thought they were just pretty awesome my mom got them you know what i mean and it was like oh thank god we get to eat today (laughs) well I think people look down on food stamps because, you know, they're, they're not, they, they had breakfast. So, you know, hunger doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And also too, like the number of things that you can get on food stamps definitely does not look like what you would expect it to look like. Yeah, no, you can't get alcohol. You can't get um, paper, toiletries, anything like that. It's just food you can get. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and, and at least, you know, my experience with it, um, it definitely wasn't always the food you wanted, but it worked. I, we used to get a, a <laughs> we used to get the like 10 pound brick of American cheese. It, it, I don't know. Like I, I got so sick of cheese. <laughs> oh man. I remember, um, one of the, one of the things that we could get at the time was apple cinnamon Cheerios. Wow. And I was like, yeah, this is the stuff right here. No more regular Cheerios. <laughs> but there's also some things that we had a lot of because, you know, that was what we got. And it was, right. uh, we had a lot of tuna noodle casserole and we had a lot of goulash. And those are two things that I, to this day, I still can't eat. No, and, it, I... and it's, and it's, and it's sad because like when Debbie makes it, it smells great. It mm-hmm. smells absolutely fantastic. Like I want to have it, but the moment I put it in my mouth, it's like, I can't do it. I cannot do it to this day. Yeah. And it, and I know that it's a psychological block. I know that because mm-hmm. I like the taste of it, but it's just like, I can't do it. Your, it's your body saying, I don't want to go back there. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Which is, which is really unfortunate because it is so good. And and I get why my mom made it is because it was so cheap. Right. It was what we could get. And, and I don't fault my mom for that at all. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. Like we did what we had to do in order to survive. Thank I just you, can't ma'am. eat those things. Exactly. Thank you, yeah. mom. I, I had a, a mother-in-law that grew up in the depression and I asked her, I was like, why do we have pork every night? And she said, I grew up in the depression and the only thing you could get was ground beef. And now I just don't want ground beef. I don't want to go back there. And I was like, that makes sense. Thank you. I'll enjoy my pork now. <laughs> you know, random, random topic for you. 
Yeah, so, we're done. We're, I'm at the end of the list for in food insecurity. People can go and read the note and discuss it themselves from this point on. So, you know, when, you know, in hiring uh, practices, when they do interviews, they'll ask you a series of questions. So uh, in one of my previous jobs I worked for, we got to, we got to ask our own questions. Like we got to come up with some questions that we wanted to ask, you know, to try and figure out who you, who was going to work with the company and who was going to work best with you. Mm. So, you know, some people would come up with the, you know, questions around like, you know, how do you handle this pressure or what would you do in this case? Because I can't take anything seriously <laughs> ever. I came up with, is it acceptable to microwave fish in the workplace? The funny thing about that question is it threw people off. Like you get all, you get this idea. It's like, oh, well, you know, in this case, in this, in this particular yeah. scenario, I would handle it like this. And, oh, well, if I had an employee doing this, it would be, is it acceptable to microwave fish? And people literally like it stopped them in their tracks. They're like, <laughs> wait, what? Like is uh, every single one of them? Like, is, is this a real question? Is this a real question? I would say the answer is no. And that was the funny thing is between all the candidates, we got different answers every single time. And it forced them to sit down and go, huh? So like one candidate was like, absolutely not. No way. Zero mm -hmm. chance. It is not right. acceptable. We had another candidate who was like, yeah, because there's a lot of great dishes out there that you can make with fish. And when you microwave it, it doesn't smell terrible. And then we had another candidate go, well, you know, you know, you've got the cultural aspect of things that you have to keep in mind because some cultures eat a lot of fish and that needs to be something that you take into account. And another one was like, I think it just depends on the dish, really. And so it was just weird because it threw everybody off. Like it, sh it actually showed us who people really were That's in their ability to either be iron fisted or diplomatic. I lived in a household with a child allergic to fish. Like you couldn't, she couldn't go in the fridge where fish was wrapped. So I would say no, just based in the, on the employees. I think it depends on the employees, but if there's somebody with an allergy, then I don't think you can. It's yeah. It was just wild. Like I know it's a totally random aside, but no, it's cool. But it, it just, I just thought about that. Um, you know, figuring out who people are. It's a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Yeah. It's like leaving peanut butter on everybody's desk. You're going to kill somebody at some point. That's <laughs> true. Or the dog will come and lick up your desk. At least in the uh, case of Billy anyways. Yeah, don't shit on my dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, Jeffrey. So we did a, we did an episode on Inspirations Beyond Disabilities Friday. They wanted to do all things movies. And it was just amazing. <laughs> do you have, do you do you watch I know you don't watch many movies per se, you know what I mean? I watch more movies than I do like like regular TV. Okay. So like movies, like I enjoy movies. I just don't like watch normal like TV shows. Like to me it's most of them are like network television. It's boring. It's tried. It's blah. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I actually just watched Squid Game with the kids. Shit, they were just talking about Squid Game. What do you think of the dubs? Oh God, that was terror. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, the, the dubs in the English are. So, oh man, it's wow. Um, Netflix, bro, we need to talk. What the fuck did you do? Right. Somebody. That's what Jay said. He's uh, Jay's wife watched it, and he had to listen to it. And then he said, by like the third season or so, like the plot takes over, and you don't notice the bad dubs as much because you're more into the story. So good luck with that. Yeah, oh, we that was. I mean, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck Netflix was on there, but god damn, that was terrible, right? So, do you yeah. have a, do you have an uh, DC Marvel opinion? I really don't. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of one or the other. Okay, 
See, I'm lucky to where I'm untethered from the comic books, so I can enjoy a movie for the movie, you know? Right. Everybody said Justice League was bad, and I was like, I don't care. It's just another action movie I can lay in bed and watch, you know? <laughs> right, right. You know, and, and, and for some of them, it's like, okay, yep, superhero movie, great. Like, for me, they were a novel. Like, mm-hmm. they were a novelty. Like, I remember when the first, you know, X-Men came out when I was in high school. Right. And it was like, mind-blowing for the time and and then there was just nothing but superhero movies and that, to me it lost its novelty right so that was that was really tough because i enjoyed some of them but then when they were like coming out every single year i think for me deadpool broke that monotony of it so like that right. was fun because to me it was like oh my god all right here we go Superhero movie, something hard's going to happen. Bad choices are going to be made. Better choices will eventually be made. Superhero becomes victorious. Yay! Hell yeah. Like, all right, now we're just going to rinse, repeat ad nauseum. Yep. Whereas then you get Deadpool, who's like, yeah, fuck it. We're going to go for chaos. Right. It had the same plot points as every other movie, but yet it was, it had new plot points. And by the way, he probably got the hottest girlfriend of the superheroes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and Hawkeye. Why did Basic Hawkeye get such a a great, a great girl? You know, who knows? That Hawkeye's wife, by the way, is Mabel from Gravity Falls and Louise from uh, Bob's Burgers. And so I can crush on Louise knowing that she's of legal age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I just I like that. I like that actress. <laughs> you know funny. what I mean? That yeah. is funny. <laughs> she's hilarious. You know what I mean? Oh, she's hysterical. But yeah, I get it. Uh, so like, do, you, do you watch Disney at all? Not really. Yeah, I mean, no, me neither. I mean, like for me, like, uh, you know, I grew up at the, the heyday of like the, the Disney animations, like mm-hmm. with Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Lion King, like wow. those, those blockbusters right there and, and the Little Mermaid. Like mm-hmm. that, that group of blockbusters right there. Wow. Okay. I grew up with so, Fantasia and Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, Alice well, I, I had those, you know, I had those too. And those were fantastic as well. Yeah. You know, you had the classics, but like the, those, you know, nineties, early nineties blockbuster heydays. Mm-hmm. Like those were fantastic. I love it. I was telling, it, uh, it just doesn't feel the same now that mm-hmm. it's all moved towards 3d animation. Yeah. No, I totally get that. So I was just, I was telling my friend that that they were talking so much about Disney. And I was like, the problem is, is the social advocate in me wants to tell these people that love Disney so much that 33% of their employees are homeless and on Medicaid because Disney doesn't pay enough, but yay, let's go. (laughs) She's like, you're just a downer. And I was like, well, I didn't say it. I let them have their conversation. (laughs) You know, it's, well, and, and especially now, like where they're just rehashing everything as a live action. Right. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that there's a place for it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I thought the, the, the live action beauty and the beast was really well done. I didn't see the Aladdin mm-hmm. one, but for me, that one was going to be a hard one because the genie was Robin Williams to me. Exactly. You know, and, and, and I know that. It probably isn't culturally, well, it definitely wasn't culturally correct in any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, the genie was a cartoon and Robin Williams was a human cartoon. It just worked. Mm-hmm. That's the role he was meant to play. Yep. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. Do you think that character was gay? What character? Robin Williams' genie. Do I think you mean that? Sorry, somebody asked me if there was um, LGBT uh, characters in Disney. And I was like, that's immediately I thought of Robin Williams. Not that I thought he was gay or straight, but that he was flamboyant enough to pull off uh, a character. I think it's a tough one in in that uh, I don't necessarily know that there's a right answer to that. I don't think a cartoon genie is going to stick his penis in anything. So I I think it's a characterization of something, you know? (laughs) Well, and I mean, it, it's like the Bert and Ernie discussion, whether Bert and Ernie are gay right? or are they best friends or, you know, I think 
I think that for some people, it makes sense for them to, what do the kids call it? Kids call it headcanon. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk as, about at the end of a show when you're out of topics. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, they, they call it headcanon where, you know, you can think of a, a character as a certain way or, or, or something like that. I, I can't speak to it in any way, shape or form. Sesame street has said that, you know, they're, they're best friends, mm-hmm. you know, and some have said that, well, they have to say that because gay on TV is bad and all of this other stuff. And it's like, was I don't know. I don't know what the right answer to this is. And I think that's, that's unfortunately not a, one that I get to speak on. Okay. It's just a fun, th- fun thought to think of <laughs> LGBT um characters in disney it'll it's just something you can waste your head time on <laughs> well and, and and i mean like you know uh, once again not exactly best topic for me to speak on either because mm-hmm. i don't know like you know i don't really i don't really know when kids start to show interest in you know what their sexuality looks like and and at what point at what point do you really have that conversation i know that we've been very open and honest about that in this household and everybody has th- their own opinions on it. I mean, open and honesty definitely leads to, uh, I would say, far fewer issues down the road, personally, uh, and from experience growing up Catholic. But, uh, you know, it's I, at what point do you start those conversations? I honestly don't know. Like, that's that's definitely not something that I've ever, you know, I've ever had to think about. Well, then think about it this way. The Bert and Ernie were written a long time ago by people that were older than Bert and Ernie, right? And in that time, there was there was flop houses and there was people lived, I mean, they were poor. They were poor AF. And so you might get a group of men sleeping in one bedroom. You know what I mean? It's it wasn't unheard of to have a roommate like that, like um, the odd couple or something mm-hmm. like that. And there was, there was that, and it doesn't necessarily in, imply sexuality, you know, just right. economic status more. Well, I mean, even like, for example, like you look at Star Trek, for example, and George Takei, you know, Gene Roddenberry had, you know, made it very clear that you know, Star Trek was a very progressive universe, but back in those days, gay on TV was not a thing and right. it would never be a thing. And so it, it, it's really hard, you know, especially when you look at historical context, you know, like I understand why people would think Burton or you might be gay because back when, you know, Sesame street was created, there was no gay on TV. Right. Well, there, and so there was, but it had to be subtle. Like it was the same, well, the, the same well, dog it, whistles, right? It wasn't, it, but that's the thing is it wasn't just subtle. It was, it was evil. Well, it could have been portrayed as evil, but what I'm saying is gay characters found their ways to get their messages out. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, and, but, but, uh, but they were always still the butt of the joke. They were uh-huh. never, they were never the hero. And right. that's the, and that's the difference is, is that, you know, there might've been gay on TV in very select circumstances, but they were never the good guy. They were never no. the, they were never the hero. They were always right. the butt of the joke or some villain of some sort. Yeah. And so, and so yeah. like, you know, gay on TV, historically speaking, you know, I mean, I would say Gene Roddenberry definitely did his best to try and undermine it a little bit. Hmm. Uh, but there, you, there wasn't a whole lot you could do back in those days. And he had to play within those frameworks. There was, there was a rash of when HIV was really big, there was a rash of really tough guys dying of AIDS and coming out at the end as gay. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think about that. There was like rock Hudson, right? There was a lot of gay. He just didn't know it. And it was like, amazing. Oh, there was a ton of gay. But what kills me is that people had to live that life of hiding. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think about today and how people don't have to hide. I mean, depending if you're in a, and if you're in a super red conservative area, you know, you still have to hide, but you can have the ability to find a better life if you choose to, you know, it's a different, if it's, it's a, it's a different frog boiling. It's it. Life is Mm -hmm. getting better. Just not 
fast enough and new people come keep coming in and saying here's the disparity where other people lived with that you know other people lived with segregation and then a generation came along and said i don't want to do that and it changed you know but then mm -hmm. the next people grew up and they were like well i don't like this you know i don't like the poverty line or redlining and i love it mm -hmm. we're constantly moving because we have new people to fight the causes well and and especially as 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 even some of the conservative folks wake up to the fact that some of these old ideals don't make any sense anymore right. you know it's it's like i you know i know that people grew up a certain way but at some point you start to go yeah that doesn't make any sense like whether or not you know some of them will admit it openly there's a group of conservatives out there that are that believe climate change to be real and that mm -hmm. you know if we don't address it head on we're going to lend ourselves not only to you know climate doom but right. we're going to be behind other countries and having options to sell to the rest of the world so you know i'll take what i can get yeah um I just watched the Kingsman. Did you like that movie Kingsman? And Samuel L. Jackson was probably the best bad guy. And he was like, you already know what I know, don't you? And the other guy's like, yeah, the carbon is a uh, red herring and we are already past the point of no return. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> we are, aren't we? We're already past the point of no return. Yeah, probably. Probably, but it won't be but, our problems. Maybe uh, your problem, not mine. I'll be dead by then, but maybe you'll have to deal with it. You know, or or maybe a giant meteor will hit Earth and none of us will have to deal with it. Or a giant volcano will erupt and, well, half the Earth will be an icicle. Wow, we just had a... Her, uh, we just had a volcano erupt. <laughs> We've had several volcanoes erupt. Isn't that weird? And right now, today, uh, NASA is... NASA... <laughs> NASA... NASA is um, crashing a satellite into an asteroid at 15,000 miles an hour just to see if it'll move the asteroid at all. <laughs> Change its trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you need to redesign a satellite. Why are we taking these high, high, um, these components and just throwing them at a rock? <laughs> I mean, to me, it would make more sense that you, you basically, you know, land, um, a thruster onto yep. a rock to change its trajectory, but I'm not an astrophysicist, so I can't. Yeah, no, I can't totally. say that. I can't say that the idea would work, right? You know, or you know, do you have to create an explosion and you know funnel it in such a way that it'll give the asteroid a different trajectory? Right. I, I mean, I know I know a little bit about astrophysics, but I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I think they're throwing a satellite at it because that's what they had to throw. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they throwing a, they like throwing a piece of paper at your at your sibling when they're pissed at you and going to hit you. <laughs> right. Yeah. This isn't going to work <laughs> the way that I wanted. We didn't design the satellite with a big boxing glove on it yet, so we're just going to throw Boing. the satellite at it until we build one. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know a, how well that's going to work. <laughs> Be yeah, interesting to find out. It doesn't take much to alter the course of a rock, you know? Well, I mean, especially in a vacuum, it shouldn't take a whole lot. And maybe that's the answer is that, you know, what can we build on the cheap to hit the target and knock it off course just enough? Yeah. So it could be an old satellite. Jeffrey, I don't know if you know anything about it. I'm waiting on my astrologer to tell me about it. Mercury is in retrograde and it has been killing me for about two weeks. And everybody's talking about it, but nobody's telling me when it's supposed to end, you know? Have you uh, felt the effects of Mercury in retrograde? Well, I mean, funny enough, <laughs> I would say that there have been some times where I've had some pretty major computer issues happen mm -hmm. in different corporations, and it's happened during, quote-unquote, Mercury in retrograde. But this is also probably one of those things that from a statistical standpoint, if I were to actually look at the issues that I face and when they happen, yeah. it's probably subjective bias. It's like, of course, Mercury in retrograde, Ooh. everything's going to shit right now. It's kind of like how you always feel like you get the craziest calls on a full moon. Right. Okay. Because that's when you're looking for them. Probably. You know, that's when you're, you're expecting things to go haywire and then something actually goes haywire and you're like, hey, confirmation bias. Yay. Wow. Probably is what the case is, but I, because I can guarantee you, I've had plenty of computer fuckery happen in non-retrograde. Love it. So, so any good music? Any good music going on? Ooh, lots of good music going on. Um, like, let's see here. 
a few different a few different things to listen to um Ice Nine Kills is a guilty pleasure right now because mm. they they've got the Silver Scream too, which they're basically just doing a bunch of songs that are related to you know the old horror movie classics. I love it, fantastic. Cool. Um, and then there's a Japanese band out there called Dexcore that are just absolutely wild and they're killing it, and I love it. Oh, I love that. They are those, they shows are, are coming back. Isn't that amazing? Like bands get to play again. Oh, dude, there's you know a bunch of bands that I've wanted to catch for a long time that are doing shows again. And and one of my bucket list bands, um, Further Seems Forever out of Florida. Um I I got to watch part of their Furnace Fest um show on YouTube. And man, like if that band shows up in seattle i'm there or in portland i'm there i gotta go i gotta see them thank you i've been trying to look for albums to buy you know what i mean so you gave me a couple of places to go so yeah those are uh further seems forever definitely very uh in the vein of old midwest emo um actually was uh so further seems forever is the band that chris caraba of dashboard confessional that was the band that he was in before he went to dashboard Wow. Yep. And, and they're still going. And Dashboard is still going. And Chris still does stuff with Further Seems Forever. Nice. So um, they've had three different vocalists. Unfortunately, one of them passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the stuff that he did. He wasn't my favorite of the Further Seems Forever vocalists. I like Chris as a vocalist for Further Seems Forever. But Jason, um, their second vocalist, he was like my favorite. I thought he had the best fit with the band. So which album am I going to buy then? Um, so my classics, uh, I mean, honestly, I'd buy all of them personally mm. because the entire dis- discography is great. But um, I want to start with Jason. I don't want to go to another. So, so in terms of, in terms of their full albums, the moon is down is with Chris Caraba. And that, I would say that really sets the direction of what further seems forever is. Okay. Um, how to start a fire was released in 2003, I think 2004. Um, that's with Jason. And I would say that, you know, to appreciate the band and its sound, like you'll hear the change from the moon is down to how to start a fire. And you will see why I say that it was the perfect fit. Like his voice was the perfect fit for them. Um, their next album, I believe was called light up ahead. Um, had John Bunch of Sensefield, and he, I mean, like all of the songs on that album are great, but it just, I mean, it just didn't quite fit for me. Mm. Um, and then in 2012, Chris Caraba came back and did Penny Black with, uh, Further Seems Forever. And it's a fucking great album. I like the title. And so, um. I know that, and and now they're working on another album with Jason. Um, so there's a lot of rumors out there that maybe in the next year there will be a new album with Jason as the vocalist again. So I'm looking forward to that because I, I, I that was who that was how I found them and how I how I learned to love them was through, with Jason. But I appreciate their entire disc, discography. It's it's good, start to finish. Okay. That reminds me of Faith No More. I, I I discovered them with their last singer, what Mike Van Patten, Mike Patton. And then mm-hmm. I found their earlier albums and I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. <laughs> you right. know? I'm not a clean punk guy. I'm a dirty punk guy. And listening to songs like Introduce Yourself or Crab Song or We Care a Lot, just that's my style of music right there. Mm-hmm. So I love you, Jeffrey. You love you too. Thanks for being here. I know you got stuff to do. I just want to say to my friend, Kai, your comment was reported for some reason, but I had no part of that. I just looked over at the end of the show and saw it. So maybe she reported was reported. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we finally get a comment in the live stream and it gets reported. Fucking <laughs> life. Life is life. Thank you for trying, though, ukulele love. <laughs> Bye, Jeffrey. See you later. Bye, Billy. Bye, Billy. To those who would tear the world down. 
We will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not yes, we can. what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams on YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Prove what? Apple Podcasts, Podcast. Stitcher, Stitcher Smart, Smart Radio, 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 Radio Public, and Spotify. Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access public America. Access history America. in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.